Welcome to Uribi Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. In this special Halloween episode, you'll hear the Dregel and Hogney, the triumphant Tumshi, and a brand new spooky Scottify challenge. Dive in, folks, and don't get too feared now. The Dreglin Hogney. Once upon a time, there lived an old man with his daughter and two sons. They didn't have much money and were guy poor. They bided in a small house that was damp and fallen apart. Yendi, when the Wains were grown into adults, they decided to seek their fortune and make things better. The oldest son, Cameron, went to his old father and said, Da, I'm fed up of us being so skint all the time. I'm a to find a good job and muck some money. I promise to come back and share it with you. So the old man gave him a hound and a hawk to hunt with, and he gave him a cuddy to ride. Cameron travelled for a long time. His cuddy took him our peaceful mountains and glens. He hunted wild animals with the help of his hawk and his hound. Under the next sky, Cameron curried in the side his hound and his cuddy to keep warm as he gazed up at the skinkling stars. Time passed this way until you nicked in the middle of a dark forest. A terrible storm blew up around them. The rain was sclenting and battering down sideways, blinning their in. The wind was screcking and breaking branches. Lickening flashed in the sky and the trees were crashing around them. Cameron had to quickly find shelter for his hawk, his hound and his cuddy. They were all soaked and suffering. In the distance, he saw a lick shining fair windy in a castle tower, a tower he had never set his in on afore. Cameron trudged on through the hooli and guided his animals towards the tower. As he got closer, he could see some stables next to the steps to the tower. He led his cuddy into the stable and dried him and fed him. Then, with his hawk and his hound in tow, he stepped up to the muckle door and chapped loudly. With a creak, the door opened. But nobody was there. Cameron walked into a big hall. Inside, it was warm and cosy. There were two big chairs sat by a roaring fire and a table stacked full with delicious scran. Cameron had a good look about to see where had maybe opened this door. Hello, he shouted. His voice echoed after Big Stain was. There was no reply. Cameron was just drying off his cloak by the fire and wondering we stayed there. 
when he heard the mace sickening sound. Muckle footsteps. Then he heard something heavy dragging on the ground. It was getting closer. It was getting louder. Then there was a boofing smell filling up the room. It was sour damp with a reek of rotten eggs and smoke mixed in. Suddenly, the big wooden door was flung wide open. There in the doorway loomed the draggling hogney, a fearsome ogre of muckle proportions. In his muckle fist he gripped a heavy wooden club. He was about nine feet tall. He had a mouthful of yelly teeth, sharp and slavery. His heed was like a farmer's bull. His neb was dripping with snotters, some of which were clinging to tufts of hair. His lugs were covered in plukes ready to burst. Stinking, rotted, matted hair clung to his body for the tap of his heed to his rancid tease. The stench of the Dreglin Hogney's breath and body filled the room and Cameron Guy near choked. The hawk flapped and screeched. The hound snarled and barked. In the stable, the cuddy battered his hooves on the stable door. Was in my house? Growled the Draglin Hogney, stooping to glower into Cameron's inn. Cameron was feared and stammered. Sorry, the door. It opened it itself. I'm sorry, there was, there was, there was a storm. I, I did shout a little bit. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll just get my things and, and, and gone. The draggling hogney sat down and said, Dinny fash yourself. Sit yourself down. Stay as long as you want to. But... You need to calm them beasts down. The Dreglin Hogney reached up and pulled three hairs off his matted head and gave them to Cameron. Here, tuck these and drape ye in our your beasts to calm them down. So Cameron took the three matted hairs and set ye in our each of his animals. Just as the Dreglin Hogney said they would, the animals all calmed down. When the young man came back for the stable, he went to warm his hands by the fire. The Dreglin Hogney raised his club and dunted him on the head. Cameron turned into stain. A few months went by, and back home, Cameron's siblings and the old man were getting mere and mere worried about him and where he might be. The second brother, Jack, went to see his father and said, Da, I need a hawk, a hound and a cuddy. I want to look for Cameron and try and find some good fortune along the way. His father agreed and off the sun went. Just like his brother afore him, Jack and his animals got caught up in a storm in a thick, dark wood which led him to the same dreadful fate 
of being turned into stain by the evil Dreglin Hogney. Mere months went by, and the young woman of the family, Iris, spoke with her old father, and she said, I ken I'm the last of your bairns, da, and you will worry, but I do want to find my brothers. I'll keep my wits about me, I promise, and if I'm lucky, I'll find them, and I'll bring back a fortune to share. The old man kent his daughter Iris was wise, so he gave her a hawk, a hound, and a cuddy, and off she went. As you could probably guess, after much travelling, Iris found her cell in a dark wood, and it was no long, afore a terrible hilly raged around her and her animals. The rain battered on them as lickning filled the sky. Trees come crashing down around them, flying the cuddy. Looking for safety and shelter, Iris saw the licht of the Draglin Hogney's tower ahead. No kenning what fate laid afore her, Iris and her animals struggled on towards the licht. When she got there, she led her cuddy into the stable and settled him there afore gone back out into the storm to chap on the muckle door of the tower. With a creak, the door opened, but nobody was there. Iris walked into a big hall. Inside, it was warm and cosy. There were two big chairs sat by a roaring fire and a table stacked foo with delicious scran. The animals kent something was near it and started kicking off. The hound was snarling. The hawk was flapping and screaking, and Iris could hear her cuddy kicking at the stable door outside. Then she heard the terrifying footsteps and that sickening noise of something being dragged across the stained floor. Then that foul, rancid smell drifted in and it made Iris dry boke. The hail time our animals were causing a stushy, with her snarling and screaking and battering. Suddenly, the big wooden door was flung open, revealing the terrifying Dreglin Hogney. Iris was brave and stood her grun. She tried no to be fear to the sick of the beast's sharp, yelly teeth, or the way it breathed heavy flecks of slivers onto the matted hair around its mouth. The Dreglin Hogney leaned into Iris's face and growled low. Was in my house. It's in burning with fury. Iris didn't let her voice shuggle. She didn't want this thing to ken she was feared. And boldly she said, Somebody opened the door, so I just came in. If you want me to, I can leave. The Dreglin Hogney sat down and said, Dinny fash your sail, I. Sit your sail down. Then the Dreglin Hogney pulled three hairs off his matted head and gave them to Iris. Here, tuck these and pitch in our each of your beasts to calm them down. In turn, Iris approached her hound, her hawk and her cuddy who was in the stable. As she leaned in to her animals, she whispered into the lugs. Hot your wished. I ken the danger. I'm gonna need ye. They all listened and settled down, waiting. 
then Iris secretly hid the hairs in her pocket. When Iris walked back into the great hall, the draglin Hogney raised his big wooden club to dunt her way. Fast as lickning, Iris louped to the wire in the table. Then the hawk and the hound flung themselves at the draglin Hogney and started to skirt and bite. The cuddy galloped into the hall and kicked the club out of the draglin Hogney's fist. Using all her strength, Iris gripped the club and with one big swing, daunted the draglin Hogney on the heed weight. Instantly, it turned him into cold, cold stain. Iris and her animals explored the tower. In the cellar, she found her brothers and their animals. They all had been turned into stain. With the draglin Hogney's magic club, she tapped each of them gently and broke the evil spell. They discovered the rooms in the tower were full of treasure. They went back home to tell their father and soon after that they moved into the Dreglin Hogney's tower. They stayed there, contented for the rest of their days. As far as I can, the Dreglin Hogney's tower is still standing. I think it's a hotel now. And in the corner by the big wooden door, there's a nine-foot stained statue of an ugsome ogre that gets used as a coat stand. Scottify, in which Susie challenges Alan to write a song about a Scots word. Hiya, Alan. Hello, Susie. It's been months. How you doing? All right. I'm loving the fact that we're doing a spooky Halloween session Ooh. this time. So, Me too. Ooh. Have you got a Scottify challenge for this month? Well, a good Scottish word that's good at Halloween is Uri. Oh, fantastic. Haunt your dreams the next. The 
walls between the worlds are paper thin You're shacking in your shin As the shadies dance and grin We beasts and bogles creeping in But didn't he let them catch you You can't let them flash their tricksy plisky glisks of mischief coming at ye. Though the night is dreek and dreary, there's ways to make them fear ye. Just lift your tumshe lantern and they'll disappear. This uri 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 Halloween. Fash yourselves, loons and quines, the world will be back and balance the morn, and all they fashery arcs and bee beasties will be back in their place for another year. Triumphant Tumshi. Da, da, can you gaze on your lanterns? Cammy and Laura grabbed their feather as he came into the kitchen, making him drop the paper and cope his tea. Here, watch it, you wee dafties, he mumped. There on the table sat twa fat pumpkins, Blees and orange like autumn leaves. The wains were juking up and down with excitement, thinking all the ugsome coupons they could carve into them. The table was strewn with doodles o' gurnin, devilish faces, with wide, toothy grins. They couldn't wait to get tore in. It took about twa seconds for Dad to pit their gas at a peep. What do you call these? he demanded, waving a derisive hand at the pumpkins. Cammy and Laura were dumbfoonert. Eh? said Laura. They're pumpkins. We need to make them into lanterns to gain trick or treat in the nicht. We'll know this was guy near our much for da. What? he spluttered. Trick or treatin', is it? And what country do you think you're in, eh? America? We didn't gain trick or treatin' in Scotland. Cammy and Laura looked at you in another in conflummixment. This was all a bit healy galeery. Uh, but nobody else is doing it protested Laura. Cammy agreed. Aye, he said. Jeannie said we were to meet at the clock tower if we wanted to do the trick-or-treat. Didn't say it again, da bellowed, reed-faced and angry. It's geysin! Geysin's what we do in Scotland. And it was us invented Halloween in the first place. He went on muttering and chuntering under his breath, and the Waynes finally minded that this was the patter every year. 
course, according to their da, Scotland had invented ahin fae telephones to the blues, so it was little wonder they'd forgotten this particular script. He wasn't quite finished either. And I'll tell you another thing, he said. In my day, we didn't mess about with any pumpkins. It was neeps we used. Good Scottish neeps. Tell you, those'll keep the bogles at bay better than only blinking pumpkin. Now, the Waynes couldn't really understand why a grown man would get so fashed by a vegetable, but they can better than to ask, and instead they pretended to be interested. Oh, aye, said Cammy. That's awfully interesting, da. We'll see if we get a neep. Will you help us carve it into a lantern? And just like that, the clouds peered it and Dad was all smiles. Oh, of course I will, son, of course I will. Half an hour later, they were sitting round the table, and I'm sorry to say Da's temper had taken another nosedive, but this time it wasn't the Wayne's fault. This time, the problem was that digging out a neep is, and I was has been, a grim and unrewarding task. Four bent spoons lay on the table aside him, and he was now going at it with a breed knife, sweat streaming down his pus, and his teeth grinding like a pepper mill. The neep had a hole in it nay bigger than a teacup, and Cammy and Laura were getting worried about the time. Eh, da, said Cammy, that's looking really fantouche, but um, be, be a bit ashamed to waste the pumpkins, no? M maybe we'll do one of them while you show us how it's really done, aye? Da was too distracted to put up much of a fuss, apart from muttering something about it being tumshies, no pumshies, so Cammy and Laura got to work on the biggest pumpkin. In about ten minutes, they'd the whole thing hollied out, while all Da had managed was to brack the breed knife and move on to a chisel for the toolbox. Laura drew a gurning bogle's face on the pumpkin, and Cammy carefully carved it out with a knife. They popped in a connel, took it into the nook under the stair to see how it looked in the dark, and laughed in delight at its <laughs> cheeky, ugsome grin. Recht, said Laura. Let's get our outfit sorted. And off they went, in search of face paint and silly clies. Da, meanwhile, had cut his thumb on the chisel and was running it under a tap, muttering rude words to herself and failing to appreciate the bonny pumpkin. It took Cammy and Laura near twa hours to get themselves ready, and when they come back into the kitchen, they found their da beaming with pride. And to be fair, the tumshi was looking bra. Its een were looking in opposite directions, its moo was filly fangs, and its neb was twa wee slits like a skeleton skull. The connel inside was sending up a rich, roasty reek, and Cammy and Laura had to admit it was rare. Cammy gied it a wee swing on its string, and decided no to tell his da that it weighed a blinking ton, no wanting to ding his pride. Well, da's pride was quickly dying only why, though, when he checked out their costumes. For goodness sake, he said, what are you supposed to be? I'm a zombie bride, said Laura, twirling in her torn white dress and winking wan make-up blackened E. And I'm John Senna, grinned Cammy, dressed in a gym kit, flexing his muscles and baring his teeth in a bra impression of an angry wrestler. What? sputtered Da. And what in the name of the wee man has only a that got to day with Halloween, eh? And that was him off again, 
ranting about folklore and licht and dark and wha kent wit. By the time he'd lectured them baith about haying to learn a wee turn to perform when they'd chapped someone's door, they were fair relieved to get out the house and head up to the clock tour. Cammy swinging the pumpkin and Laura lugging the tumshi and wishing it wasn't as heavy as twa bricks in a bag. Da watched them go with a furrowed brow. Wanes these days, he said. They did a ken they're born. And then a wee smile made its way across his face as a braw thought started forming in his head. Wrestlers and zombies, was it? Well, he'd soon show them what a good Scottish Halloween was really about. Up at the clock tower, Cammy and Laura found a wee crowd of excited wains, laughing and kidding on despite the smur, the wind and the creeping cold. Jeannie for the drop-in was there to make sure Aubrey Kent went today. Didn't chap a door unless there's a lantern in the windy, she reminded them. And just cause you're dressed like monsters doesn't mean you're to act like them. Now, keep an eye out for each other and have fun. The wains streamed after down streets and up closes and gangs or twa or three, meeting up and pairing with news or generous houses to visit, or warnings about noisy dugs and grumpy neighbours. It was rare fun, and Cammy and Laura were fair enjoying themselves. Their bags were filling nicely with sweeties and nuts and even the odd shiny pun coin. It was all guy exciting, the wind bloustering leaves along with them as they donnered down a wee dark lane, shacking trees casting shimmering shadows in the pale glow of the streetlights. They were blethering away happily with each other, comparing spoils and discussing the other costumes they'd seen when they both stop it in their tracks. Out the shush and whisper of the trees, they thought they could hear something creeping along ahead of them. Uh, who was that? asked Cammy in a peery wee voice, trying to keep the sugar out his words. Laura just shook her head, her fear to speak. There was definitely something making a stushy just out of sight. It was a waysome sound, a kind of aura, unca wailing that fair made the hairs on the back of their necks stand up. Uh, it'll be in the other wains, croaked Laura finally, but neither of them believed it. Afore their flag it in, a figure turned the corner into the lane and silhouetted against the street lake they could tell it was our tall to be a wain. No only that, but this figure wasn't decked out as Spider-Man or a minion or Justin out of Stranger Things or only of the other fancy dress they'd seen up at the clock tower. It was draped in a lying cloak and had a hood o'er its head. As black clouds skite o'er the moon above them, it slinket along the lane with its bony arms outstretched, moaning and groaning, fit to raise the deed. It's a bogle, shrieked Cammy, and the pair of them turned to flee when they minded that this lane was a deed end. The only way out was past this ghastly figure that was slowly smooling towards them, yammering and howling and shacking its limbs. Cammy and Laura stood petrified, nae way to run and nae sign of help. What do we do? What do we do? cried Laura. What was Da saying about bogles afore? Jeez, oh, how did we no listen to him? Lantern, shouted Cammy. He said, they're fear o' lanterns. Wait there, I'm going to try something. And with that, he swung his pumpkin high and let go, chucking it richt at the ugsome spectre in their path. <laughs> It flew through the air like an orange comet, spinning as it went, and dunted straight into the bogle's shooter. But, oh, michty me, 
the connel had made the pumpkin saft, and all it did was bracken to smithereens that fell to the ground, mixing with deed leaves and making not a jot of difference to the creature in front of them. It lifted its hooded heed and laughed, flapped its cloak about, and advanced towards them again. Cammy looked at his sister in desperation. Sorry, Laura, he said. That didn't really go as planned. But Laura had screwed up her courage and wasn't about to let her brother do all the work. Nay, bother, she said. I've got this. And afore Cammy could stop her, she strode up to the ghastly beastie, spun the tumshi on its string and clobbered it across Ooh. the hooded head with all her micht. Unlike the pumpkin, the neat was just as solid as it had ever been. The bogle gave out a howl and collapsed on the colvet grun, gripping its bruised head and writhing in the dubs. Cammy and Laura didn't wait around to see what happened next. They louped o'er the rolling figure and sped up the lane, back out into the street. We did it, yelled Laura in triumph. We beat the bogle. Wait till we tell Da. Well, they were so chuffed with themselves that they wanted to tell folk, and the last few houses that they visited were treated to the tale o' the battered bogle, which was much more entertaining than trick-or-treat. All the folk fair enjoyed it, and afore lying, Cammy and Laura's goodie bags were filled to bursting. At last they heeded him, fair full of themselves, and eager to tell Da how richt he had been. They found him in the kitchen, and were halfway through the tale, interrupting each other and adding mere and mere exciting detail as they went, afore they noticed he was having a bag of frozen peas against his forehead. There was a lump there the size of a boiled egg. Oh, cried Laura, you're hurt. What happened? Uh, oh, oh, nothing, mumbled Da, just a daft wee accident. Only why, finish your tale, soon's as if you've had a braw Scottish Halloween. We have, agreed Cammy, and you weren't half richt about tumshies. And if Da wasn't just quite as pleased to hear this as they thought he would be, they were both our polite to point it out. Grown-ups were weird, after all, and only why, there was a mountain of sweeties to get stuck into. been listening to Our Wee Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. All stories and sayings by Alan and Susie, and Alan also made the music and did the production. He got a wee bit help with the triumphant Tumshi from Michelle McClure. We hope you've enjoyed it, folks, and don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon or buy us a coffee. Have a good Halloween, and don't let the bogles bite you.